0: Thank you for pressing start on episode 50 of Underplayed, KZUM's indie video game podcasts. Today we have two secret games, followed by a review of our featured game, A Short Hike. On Underplayed, we review indie games of all kinds, the games with small budgets but big hearts, the lesser-known experiences with imaginative ideas. I'm Beau Poe, and joining me is my best friend, playing games that he recommends, he's the biggest fan of Mega Man, flipping phones after smartphones began, I'm talking about the late-night streamin'. Secret Games Gaming, Everyone say hola to Disco Cola. What is going on? Nothing new, but I've been waiting for
1: this phone call. There doesn't seem to be any reception in here. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm doing just fine, my beach stick ball champion. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> love, I, love I I beach am stick that. Ball. <laughs> um, those are references to our featured game, A Short Hike, and this... I
1: actually, you know, I actually spent most of the last week without cell phone reception.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say I actually spent most of the last week playing beach stick ball. <laughs> I, play, you... <laughs> I played something similar a little bit. Yeah. It was just a balloon, but yeah. How was how was that? That was for holidays, right? Yeah,
1: yes. yeah. So I go out to my in laws uh, pretty much every year, uh, and my cell phone provider service provider doesn't have coverage where my Dang, in-laws live. That's so crazy. Every, you're unplugged. I am even more unplugged than I am by intentionally
0: carrying a flip phone. No one can find you. No one can find me.
1: I can answer emails yeah. at two o'clock at night. That's it.
0: Wow. So you're you're just like off the grid. I don't think I'm ever like truly in that situation yeah. unless I go to some weird place for like a wedding for a weekend, right. you know, in the mountains or something, but- Well, I'm glad you're back, and that you know you didn't have to get into trouble and then not have access to cell phone service or whatever. Yeah, at least that I know of.
1: Yeah, convenient, convenient that we're playing a a short hike after that trip. Yeah, I actually finished a short hike a long time ago, so I didn't even think about (laughs) it until we got here. But yeah,
0: well, you played a short hike on stream, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, a while back.
0: And I didn't watch because at that point, I think I could have watched you stream it, but I hadn't played it yet, and so I don't want to like ruin my experience by watching someone else first. And I saw that you had streamed it. And I I popped
1: in for like two minutes while I
0: was in between
1: some family things.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, This is maybe the first game that we've both streamed I think so. On Twitch. So that's fun. And if people want to check us out on Twitch Disco Cola is twitch.tv slash discocola and I'm twitch.tv slash bo underscore underscore p o. And you can see us streaming some indie games uh, that we play for underplayed here and there. Uh, I started streaming Sifu. I saw that, and I've uh, I've done two streams with Sifu. I did like a hybrid Sifu and Spider Man two stream, but two days before that, I just oh I only did, only Sifu. did Sifu. and that game is going to. Make my hands hurt a lot. <laughs>
1: oh great. I haven't started yet. I'm starting this week.
0: Good. So it's it's the return of that idea um that we felt in like Hollow Knight and Death's Door, you know. It's
1: been a little bit since <laughs> something really like made, made our hands cramped hurt. my hands.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, like you're doing so much fast reacting and I just clutch the controller so tightly. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh and then I just want to call out that it's our 50th episode. Heck, yes it is. And you know what? A number is just a number at the end of the day. That's kind of my take on it. It's like 50s cool, like it's it's a cool new like series of 10, you know, and right. it's halfway to 100. Yeah. But um I think I will like be really amped about 100 when we get there someday. But you know what? 50 is cool. 50, 50 is, cool. is great. And uh we've talked about getting to Episode one hundred before, and what we'll do? Yeah, and I think we have a couple ideas, right?
1: I don't remember any of them, but uh, <laughs> you can <laughs> go go for it for the listener.
0: Well, maybe this can just be an ideation sesh. Yeah. One idea I remember is by episode one hundred, we will have played several hundred games mm-hmm. uh, for underplayed, um, or a few hundred at least, and what we could do is each countdown our top 100 indie games. Good Lord. <laughs> now, that sounds insane. That sounds like a lot of discussion, like at least a dozen hours worth of discussion possibly. But it's mostly mentioning the names of the games. And then when we start getting to the top like 25, that's when we're saying more. And then we get to the top 10, and that's when we're kind of doing what we do at the end of a season, where mm-hmm. we share for about a minute about why each game is special to us. Right. So in my mind, it wouldn't take like an insane unhinged amount of time, but (laughs) who knows? Would Um,
1: we, would we include like jealous games that we have since played in there? Like, yeah, it would
0: be, it would be any indie game, even indie games you haven't played for underplayed. Oh, interesting. Or we could, or we could only look at games we've played for underplayed and either include jealous games or not. I don't know. Interesting. So, cuz on my official top 100 indie games list, which is exactly what I would pull from. Right. I have indie games in there that I haven't talked about on this show.
1: Right, I know. There's a lot on there. That so,
0: that's an idea. Then I was thinking, what are some other things we could count down that we don't usually get to count down? Like rankings. Okay. And I thought of developers and studios. Oh. We could do like our top 5 indie game developers. Okay. Or something like that, and why we love them.
1: All right, that would be interesting. I have one that I don't think could be unseated, but who knows?
0: Yeah, I think I know who you're who you're talking yeah, about. Possibly. Yeah, possibly Heart Machine. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, uh, actually, not no shade to Heart Machine, but like, oh, Inti Creates keeps just oh, like okay. pushing out bangers.
0: Well, yeah, and you I could... just I haven't talked about hardly any of them yet. Right, you've t- yeah, you've talked about like one or two. That could give you the opportunity to step beyond what you've talked about. And to talk about their whole, like, gamography and yeah. why that inspires you.
1: Yeah. Um, An idea that I had when we were just talking about this a minute ago is, like, going back and replaying games that we maybe have regrets about. Oh. Or scores that we think could change or ones that we wanted to retry again. Mm-hmm. And so we could just re- include a, like reflective review like a, yeah, a a revisit a revisit a revisit uh, for a game or two each
0: I dig that I definitely have some regrets about not just the scores but like just thoughts I've given about games yeah. because our opinions of games change over time and sometimes it's very subtle but other times it's significant because maybe it's a genre we just didn't mm-hmm. have enough experience with and we didn't really understand what what's going on with that genre other times it's just that We change as people over time, and then our tastes change.
1: Well, and my scoring metric, too, changed pretty significantly, Mm -hmm. especially over the last two seasons. And I was like, spoiler alert, I put one of the games from today's episode in my top 100 games list, and the game that it sits next to doesn't match the score. Mm -hmm. Like, this is maybe a lower score than the one it's sitting next to. Uh, so maybe I don't like that game as much. Interesting.
0: So I want to revisit it. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I I'd be down because I have some regrets as well. My other idea I've had previously is we could do um, we could look at featured games we've done that received really significant DLCs. Oh and yeah. We could, we could either like pick a handful to play and review, or we could each pick like two or three and. Do not not like secret games where they're kept secret, but where I only review three and you only review three. Yeah, I like that too. You know, I'm thinking of Isle of Big Snacks. Yeah, I'm thinking of Echoes of the Eye for Outer Wilds. Uh, I don't know if Cold of, of the Lamb might be eligible. <laughs> there are lots of them yeah. by this point. And by the time we get to 100, there will probably be a good selection. I, I agree. Interesting. Okay. We don't have to have it all figured out today because we're only halfway there. We'd appreciate feedback. And if you have ideas. Yes, if you have ideas for us, we could just plug our socials here or our email even.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you found us probably on formerly Twitter, so comment there under this episode. Uh, We do have an email address. We've mostly just used it for business so far, but it is underplayedpodcast at gmail.com, and you can email us there as well.
0: Yeah, let us know what we should do for episode 100 when we get there, and we'll, we'll follow those ideas away. Yeah. And before we move on, if you're listening to Underplayed right now, thank you. We love you. If you haven't already, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few seconds, and it goes a long way. It's time for our Secret games. Secret games secret games secret games secret games in this segment we each review one indie game we've been playing in secret since our last episode we don't talk about what we're playing i don't know what disco's playing he doesn't know what i've been playing we're keeping these a surprise for this very moment we're sitting down to record we can choose any indie game to play and review as long as it hasn't been talked about on Underplayed before. We will start with you, Disco Cola. Let the mystery be no more. Reveal this secret game that's now in your top 100 games of all time uh, on episode 50 of I Underplayed.
1: Didn't, I didn't say it was the secret game that made it in there. Oh. But, uh,
0: either way. Uh, was it though? Well, we'll see.
1: <laughs> My secret game comes from Nama Takahashi and Suyomi and that secret game is yet another puzzle game oh. called Alechead.
0: Oh, I know Alechead. You do know Alechead. Yes, we uh we've talked about Alechead. Um I think I remember saying like oh I'd love to play this but you can definitely choose to play this sometime. I was really want. excited like, for it. I remember I was, you being excited for yeah, it. That's so, awesome. Alechead. Uh, I've I've heard many a good thing about this game.
1: Awesome. Well, all the same, I know you're familiar with it, but I sent you the trailer. Yes. And you can take a look. Um, when you boot up a leghead, you get a short little intro that kind of suggests that all the lights on Earth or some Earth-like planet have gone out. So in a leghead, you play as this rudimentary-looking robot whose head is... Charged full of electricity or something. And so any surface you touch becomes charged. uh, And this will activate certain platforms, certain traps, checkpoints, or even nothing but the floor and adjoining walls. And that's really the game in a nutshell. You are using your electrified body and head to activate different puzzle elements. And you must plan and platform your way through a series of test chamber-like screens. Um, eventually, you will unlock new skills, such as the ability to throw your head, uh, which will then begin a countdown, uh, starting from 10, before your headless body explodes. Oh. So any action you do without your head attached must be quick. Um, and you also unlock the ability to self-destruct yourself, uh, to start over at a checkpoint. Uh, and then there's there's a couple other uh, small skills that play a, a smaller role in the game. The puzzle elements at play here are some that you would expect, like activating platforms, but there are some others that you might not anticipate. So, for example, your electrified body will turn on traps that will destroy you, such as little, like, electrical zappy traps and fireball cannons. Um, Conversely, if you're running around as the body without the head, you're not activating any puzzle elements, so you have to plan that accordingly as well. Um, You can also find blocks that are only solid when an adjacent platform is electrified uh, and they disappear when the adjacent platform is no longer electrified. And you can see a little bit of that in the trailer. Um, So this will require you to plan when to fall through platforms or when to maintain a solid platform to reach new areas. The game also has a set of 20 collectibles as well as collectible color palettes that you can find that will uh, change the colors of your very simplified color layout.
0: And as I'm watching this trailer, it's mostly like this blue and yellow slash orange yes, color palette, yeah. so that can change?
1: Yeah, I think at all times there's like a maximum of four colors going on, and you can unlock it. I found, I think, five five or six color palettes. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, the trailer doesn't show any of those.
1: Right, yeah. I, I think it's just for the player. If you choose, yeah. it, it plays no... No different. It's way. it's yeah. not counted anywhere really. It just shows you which ones you have. But yeah, I can't really add much more than that. The game is split up into like six worlds in a way, but it's all a contiguous, mostly linear facility. Um, it's been the season of the puzzle, and I've got it one, has. Yeah, I've got one more in the next episode. Spoilers. <laughs> But even in a sea of puzzles, there is a lot that stands out about the leghead. First up, the thing that draws me in about most of these kinds of games is the art style. I think the art style in this game is awesome. Then there are like the unlockable color palettes I talked about. I didn't end up preferring most of those palettes to the original, but they do have a distinct style and they just they really dug into that. um, And I love that. I think the music from Suyomi is really great. Uh, it's more 8-bit inspired chiptune music, and it's just, it's super solid. It can maybe be a little repetitive because there aren't very many themes, and it doesn't really deviate too much, but I really didn't find myself getting tired of the music at all. Um, there's also this one theme that's only in just this small section of the game, um, and you might even miss it, maybe? But I just I loved that theme. It's just so awesome. It's so <laughs> grand. And I love it. <laughs> Additionally, I think the sound effects are really solid. Uh, the sound of your body exploding, the little zappy traps, even just your little like robot feet landing on the metal surfaces. It just it just all sounds great. Um, another thing I love is how well the game teaches you to play the game. We've said it in the podcast before, but like classic puzzle game design counts on, teaching you a new puzzle element in a sanitized space with no stakes, and then adding variations and increased difficulty in succeeding rooms. A Leghead does that really, really, really well, but in addition to that, it teaches you the nuances to how different elements work specifically. So you know how there's like all those optional things you can do in Celeste if you're like skilled enough?
0: Yeah, like wave dash, hyper dash. Yeah.
1: There's a similar thing going on with puzzles in a leg head, but the game throws you into puzzles that sort of teach you the nuances of how those things work. So here, here's some examples. Like, remember earlier when I mentioned the blocks that will appear and disappear depending on whether or not adjoining blocks are electrified? Yeah. So you'll enter a room where you see that there's, like, some sort of exit or a secret near a, like, vertical stack of those reappearing blocks but you don't quite have a way to jump up to the top of this wall of blocks. But if you are standing in the path of the blocks before they appear, you can like get them to appear one by one as you jump up. And okay. these blocks, like they don't spawn over you, and so you can just use them to reach incredible heights. It's showing you that there are these options, but these are options. Like You don't sure. have to climb this vertical yeah. tower of reappearing yeah, blocks.
0: I, I totally get the Celeste comparison because... Yes. There is like the quote unquote normie way to do it. And then there's like, oh, well, if you happen to know this little technique, you know, both ways are valid. Yeah. And then there's there's just more nuances
1: uh, beyond that. The game will like teach you nuances of checkpoints Mm. by littering the floor with like five or six checkpoints right next to each other. Um, But they'll be in between two puzzle elements so what you realize is when you go from one puzzle element to the other and you're stepping over these checkpoints is that checkpoints reset puzzles back to zero. Okay. And so you can keep that in your brain for later and you can use checkpoints to sort of cheese your way into areas that might not be accessible because there's a, a moving platform blocking Damn. way or something. Whoa, cool. There's just, there's a lot going on there and I love it. Um, There were about three points in the game that just like totally stumped me. I could not figure out what I needed to be doing. And I was just, I was getting so frustrated. Luckily when I was playing a leg head, I was at my in-laws place and the internet down there is also uh, not the best. (laughs) Uh, And the tablet I was using to start looking stuff up was also moving really slow. So I just, I kept playing that room while I was waiting for the guide to load and I always was able to solve it before oh, youtube was able to load. So I let's think go, Disco. I think this game is just the right difficulty for me,
0: which It's like got the Goldilocks. Yeah, it's got effect. the
1: Goldilocks. That does mean that puzzle mains will probably find it way too easy cuz mm, y'all. Sure. Y'all are a different kind of animal, but uh but this was just right for me. This so. definitely
0: sounds more approachable than other puzzle games we've played for the show and just recently I'm thinking of like bonfire peaks Mm. was really tough and like there were definitely approachable (laughs) levels Um, and similarly in that game there are levels that like do a great job at teaching you what's going on but then when you just have so many variables going on and you, you can see you're at point A and you can see point Z but you don't know you know B through Y, it's, yeah. it's so hard sometimes to like get there. And so you need that guide.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad that you played Bonfire Peaks and not me. <laughs> <laughs> Bonfire
0: Peaks is pretty hardcore, but this sounds like a great balance of difficulty and like approachability. Yeah. And it's me. all,
1: it's always like confined to one screen for the most part. So it's, it's generally pretty easy to see all of the elements of the puzzle at once. Nice. Most of the time. Um, additionally, checkpoints are really forgiving. Your explosion is almost as quick as Celeste popping, uh, and then you're just back in the action again. Speaking of dying, the world has sprinkles of story as background elements, um, mostly in bodies of other deceased robots. Many times they're in spike traps you're trying to avoid or near other platforming challenges. So you're not the first elect Head to make this journey that you're making. And I love this. Oh, this reminds me of something I always wanted to put in a video game that I would make someday, and I just I love that. Um, that's
0: that's th- making me think back to Titan Souls a little oh bit. Oh, yeah,
1: dude. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're
0: not the first adventurer to do that game. Yeah.
1: And one thing that I want to make particular note of is that this game has two endings, and I don't want to get into their differences too much, but what I will say is that one of them takes a great deal more work to achieve And what you get as a result stunned me. Like, this will easily make one of my greatest surprises at the end of the season. It shocked you. (laughs) It sure did. I am shocked by your pun. Uh, But yeah, just that that ending uh, shocked me. And it's super just. Totally not what I was expecting. Wow, that, that's
0: awesome. Because sometimes we do a lot of work for another ending and it's kind of, it falls flat a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I
1: wouldn't say that it did that. There are a great number of other small things I like about a leghead, some of which are just hard to put into words. But if I tried to distill it into one phrase, it would be charm. I think this game just has so much charm. There are just a few things about a leghead that I don't love quite so much. Some of the collectibles are too well hidden. The video guide I used to locate the last six or so literally says in the description of the video, a game where you have to hug walls, not a great mechanic. While true, I'd push back on that sentiment a little bit. Um, Like I mentioned for Batboy in the previous episode, the game will show you hints of a hidden room in a corner, or it will teach you pretty early on that there are hidden walls. And when there are, the room might have this amount of wall on one side versus a smaller amount of wall on the other. But because the game taught me that, I am hugging nearly every wall that fits this pattern, and I'm not missing a ton of the collectibles as a result, but I am wasting a good amount of time because most of those walls don't actually have a secret. So I am hugging every wall, but it's, it's not always yielding fruit. I have a few minor complaints here and there with specific puzzle rooms, but there really isn't too much that bugged me about a Head. I guess I wish it was on PlayStation so I could nab some fun trophies. Mm. But uh, yeah, Alekhead was something that I was looking forward to since just before it came out. I eventually became a bit nervous about it as time approached because I am getting burned out by the great number of puzzle games I've played this season. <laughs> Luckily, the game surprised me with fun, straightforward gameplay and puzzles that have a surprising amount of nuance and endings that will bother me. In a good way hmm. for a long time to come, this game is my Death Store of puzzle games. Wow, it's just the right length and difficulty for me. I did immediately put this pretty high up on my top 100 games list, and like Death Store, I will rate this a 9.0 out of 10.
0: Sweet, oh, nine out of 10 for Disco Cola. I yeah, this has been on my radar I think for as long as it's been on yours, and. I, I think I did always have it in the back of my mind as like a oh yeah, disco's gonna play this someday. So I'm glad you got to play this. So you said there are six worlds. Do you know about like how long each world takes or how many puzzles or levels there are in each world? Like can you give us a sense of how how long the game is?
1: Um, I sat down and did the whole thing in one night. I think oh. when I it'll tell you your game time when you beat the game, and I think it was Two hours and 40
0: minutes. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Digestible. Very digestible game. I was expecting something maybe like twice as long. Um, And then how is the game tracking collectibles? Like, how do you know you need to go back to world one and get like X number? Gotcha.
1: Um, So as long as you've activated that world's portal, when you go to your teleportation selection in Mm -hmm. the pause screen, it shows you exactly how many you're missing. And it shows you in which
0: order. Oh, that's nice. All the collectibles
1: are exactly the same. but like. It just sort of gives you an idea of like where in this world you might be missing. One. Oh,
0: I love that! Well, the puzzle platformer is one of my favorite genres. Like, I love platformers, I love puzzle games, I also love puzzle platformers. Like, it's the combination of two things I love. So, um, this one is one I'd love to play someday. Uh, where can you play Aleckhead?
1: Yes, you can play Aleckhead. Not in very many places, unfortunately. Nama Takahashi, please port to PlayStation. But you can play it on Windows or on Switch, which is where I played it. Sweet. And you played it at your in-laws. I did. So you were, you were handheld mode. Handheld mode. Cool. And uh, yeah, this is in my top 100 now.
0: Okay, so what was that one? Just behind Outer Wilds. Nice. That's sweet. What number is it right now? 41. 41. Sweet. It's time for my secret game. Now, my secret game is one that actually synergizes with your secret game really, really well. Oh, no. We've had this happen a couple times before. I had to pull up our list of games we've reviewed in the past. You reviewed Machinarium, and I reviewed Maquette, which were two puzzle games. You know, oh, yeah. Although they were pretty different, different but in that, style. And they
1: also started with M.A. And they also started with <laughs> M.A., and they
0: were the secret games for the Manifold Garden episode, which also was a puzzle game that started with M.A. But then... Two closer matches were when you played everybody's gone to the rapture and I played Dear Esther oh, Landmark Addiction. Yeah. Like two walking spooky. simulators yep. from the same developer, which was insane. But um my game isn't classified as a puzzle game, but it is about robots. Okay. And it is about this 2D perspective, and it is about this like more limited color palette. My secret game is Haiku the Robot.
1: <gasps> No way? Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I have I have the physical for this. You do? I do. Oh my god. I haven't I haven't touched it yet, but I'm very excited to play it.
0: Yeah, so uh I just sent you the trailer and I'm sure you don't need to see it, but you can watch that.
1: All right, let's go.
0: So I was originally going to play a different game for this episode. This is one of those um examples of a time I needed to swerve and pick something else. I was going to play a a puzzle game actually for this episode, <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what it was going to be. I was going to play a game called Snakebird, and then I think like within the past few years they released a game called Snakebird Primer, which is like sort of a a simpler version of Snakebird. But then they combined those Snakebird games into one game called Snakebird Complete. Oh, but, and they. When they announced that, I was like, ooh, if I ever play that as a secret game, I want to play Snakebird Complete, just play it all together, and then I can count basically two games as one, but they hadn't released Snakebird Complete until like a few weeks ago, so I didn't have enough time to play it. So I chose Haiku (laughs) the Robot because I recently got it in a Humble Bundle, and it also has been on my radar for a while. This is a 2022 Metroidvania developed and published by Mr. Morris Games. The game synopsis from the Steam storefront reads, quote, delve into the depths of a mechanical world in this cute adventure exploration game. Explore and fight in a land full of corrupt robots and machinery, all while seeking answers to the mysteries around you, end quote. This is a 2D game with pixel graphics. Um, Haiku the Robot has this color palette that's made up of sort of muted colors. Um, a lot of the colors are like, you know, complementary like purple and and yellow slash orange, and this game is a lot like Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that up top. If you've played Hollow Knight, you've pretty much played Haiku the Robot. Um, and I know that kind of sounds like a slant, or you know, maybe reductive to say, but I was reminded so much of Hollow Knight playing this game. I, and I,
1: I see a couple things in the trailer that are just like reminding me exactly. Of, of Hollow Knight moves.
0: And if you look up reviews of Haiku the Robot, you'll see other people say similar things. So where I think it's appropriate, I will make those comparisons just to help paint the picture of what's going on, and then is also part of my um, critique of the game. But um, there's this robot virus plaguing the land of Arcadia in Haiku the Robot. Um, Arcadia was this land built by robots for robots. And... There are these three primary machines called the creators who lost their way after they were infected by the virus. And you play as Haiku, who's a spherical robot with um, arms and legs who wakes up unaffected by the virus. And Haiku must explore the world to eradicate uh, the virus. And so this robot virus is also kind of reminding me of Mighty Number no. Nine, mm. <laughs> you know? A Mega Man game that uh, and, has the virus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And you have a big yellow sword you use for attacking robot enemies. You can dash through enemies and you can jump. That's all you can do at the start of the game. But you can jump on top of enemies and swing downward and you can do pogo attacks. So you can just, if you time the attacks right, you can continue to hit enemies on their head. Over time, you get the ability to double jump. And climb up walls and turn into a ball and roll through small openings like that classic Metroid move. Um, You can do this zipline dash where you cast out a zipline and you just launch yourself horizontally across the map. And when you do quick maneuvers, like rolling, they will generate heat. Haiku the robot has this heat gauge and you can overheat, which is where you can't use those maneuvers for a second. You have to wait to cool down. And as you defeat smaller enemies, you collect scrap metal that you can use to purchase health upgrades and key items and chips. There are several different vendors in this world. You can also spend the scrap metal you're carrying to heal Haiku if he gets damaged. So at any point when you're not in danger of being hit, you can just pause for a second and Haiku will pull out a wrench and will just slowly heal his health oh, using the cool. currency you've picked up. So it's a nice little um it's a nice little way to spend the extra money you're carrying or to sometimes make you consider should I save my money for this next upgrade or am I okay to heal right now and spend some of that cash. And chips that you collect in this game are a lot like charms in Hollow Knight. They can do different things like extend the range of your attacks or Decrease the amount of heat you generate or increase your rolling speed, as examples. There is a train system that can carry you to places you've been. Every area of the world has a train that you can find. And also every area has this covered map. And you need to find like this map scrambler device and destroy it. And then it reveals your map, too. Oh, that's a cool way to do it. It is really cool. And when you enter a section that has one of those map scramblers, it sort of emits this little wave that you can see to indicate that you're in the area where the map scrambler mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So instead of an audio mm-hmm. cue with what's his face from Hollow Knight, you're uh-huh. getting that visual cue. Oh, so uh, it it did take that idea from Hollow Knight and brain and, and juice. And it.
1: Yes, okay.
0: You can also find switches that open up shortcuts all over the place. There were tons of times where I I ran into a wall. And I can see what's on the other side of the wall, and it's a switch. And then I, you know, maybe an hour later, I find the other side of that wall and I flip that switch, and now I can, you know, traverse. That's your thing. That's my thing. There's a lot of that in Haiku. This game has its version of grubs, too. There are these things called power cells you can collect. And no, I'm not talking about Jack and Baxter. (laughs) 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 Um, Power cells in this game can be brought to this NPC called uh, Quatern. Um, who's like the grub father of this game. So this is where you're getting like rewards for finding the collectibles. There are a lot of NPCs you can run into beyond that. There's Rusty, who's a traveler. Um, Every time you run into Rusty, he will put markers for different things on your map. Limerick is a detective studying the virus and there's another character called Verse, and they're a very important character who follows haiku throughout the story, and they're serving as a guide. And these are just several examples. There are, there are more, and a lot of them have um, a name that kind of references a, a form of writing yeah. or poetry, yeah. which is fun. And like Hollow Knight, you run into Limerick somewhere, you talk to them. And then you leave that map screen you come back and they're gone and they've gone to their next place and you need to go find wherever they are again and so they all have their own stories and they're all they all have like a predetermined like set of places they'll go but you have to talk to them in each and every place to make them go to those places so that tells the story of what's going on and here's what I really liked about Haiku the robot Haiku the Robot is a very approachable and uncomplicated Metroidvania. I didn't ever get stuck in this game. I had a very fun, like eight-hour adventure. Uh, you get satisfying upgrades early and often, almost immediately. I was climbing walls, uh, which feels nice. You know, I was doing Steamworld Dig. Oh yeah! <laughs> in this game, after I beat the first boss, you can go out of order when looking for. Uh, the three creators. So the, the three like main creators who made this world, who you eventually are tasked with finding you go and find these creators and they give you this significant boss fight and a significant upgrade. You can look for them kind of in any order, I think. Um, But even if there is kind of a set order, there are other smaller bosses that I get the, I get the impression you can fight them in multiple orders um there is the double jump as an example you get this after doing some kind of a challenge and a lot of people will get this immediately i didn't get it until close to the end of the game but i was able to go so long without it because i get all these other cool maneuvers that let me um, traverse so easily okay so this game is making you feel very powerful with movement the boss fights have that goldilocks quality yes, where i baby. think they're just right when it comes to difficulty if you are a hollow knight like hardcore you know metroidvania player you might find them to be too much on the easier side i found them to be more on the easy side than the hard side but you know also i'm not getting stuck i'm only dying a handful of times to these bosses i learn their patterns pretty quickly and it feels good to defeat them all the same i love the visual style and the color palette too Uh, There is this, like, low saturation of colors that adds a brooding feeling. There's this aesthetic of possessed machinery that's going on, and it feels morbid. You are fighting these machines. Sometimes they have screens. Yeah, their faces are
1: horrifying.
0: Horrifying faces. Sometimes it's like a a TV screen or a, a computer monitor screen that they have for a head, and they have this really scary face because they're infected by this virus, and then you defeat them, And they'll leave their motionless bodies behind and their screen will just go blank. And there's something that's so upsetting about that, that like this thing you were fighting that was so aggressive is now just sitting there just dead. And that's another thing that's kind of like Titan Souls, you know, like how you defeat this really crazy aggressive enemy and then their their body is just sitting there motionless and you can kind of interact with it.
1: Well, and some of these like... They look really physically heavy too. There's something about just like the actual weight of that body yes. too. Yeah,
0: they throw themselves around, they smash down into the ground in a way that like conveys power. And some of them are like a TV screen and you defeat it and the screen is like smashed afterwards and Haiku can jump into the screen and like be inside the monitor for a second. That and is there's something so, there's something so dark about yeah. that. Um, Or you can just leave them be and keep going. But this game is also kind of adorable, too, with its NPCs and Haiku himself. I love talking to these characters. A lot of them are uh, cheery and fun and quirky. And there's this ability to save your money, too, which is really fun. I didn't mention this yet, but there will be these perch stations where you can deposit the money you've found, the scrap you've found, so that if you die you don't lose your scrap. Oh. And you can go back to perch stations and get scrap out if you want to have some extra scrap on hand to heal Haiku. But another thing that's super considerate in this game is when you go to a vendor your money doesn't have to be on, on Haiku. Person. It doesn't have to oh. be on Haiku. You can have all your money at your bank like basically in your perch station and the vendor will just know that you have that money in sum total. You and, you essentially have a debit card at that point. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you, you just collect money in this game and you can, you know, just go to the vendor with that in your pocket. But if it's in your bank, it it's treated the same. And I love that. There's some things that I didn't enjoy as much about Haiku the Robot. A lot of it comes down to just as I'm playing this game, and this is this is just because I've played Hollow Knight and I love Hollow Knight. When I'm playing this game, it just feels a little derivative. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels like kind of a thinner copycat of Hollow Knight. And this is going to be something that hits everybody a little bit differently. Many people haven't played Hollow Knight, and maybe they look at Haiku the Robot, and they want to experience a Metroidvania, and they'll have a great time here. And I had a great time, too. But I look at it with that lens of, oh yeah, this this is reminding me of this from Hollow Knight. This is reminding me of this from Hollow Knight. I mean, it has its own version of like fungal wastes. It has its own version of deep nests. Almost every mechanic feature area in NPC feels inspired by Hollow Knight in some way to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there is like, there's tribute and inspiration and then there's like almost being a copycat. And I feel like this is straying more toward the latter. You right. know, like it's it's almost like, too similar in an eerie way
1: yeah i i actually had this conversation with my brother last night about metroidvanias and how a lot of the one like he recommended one to me called after image and Mm. one of the things that they market is just like how big the map is and i had downloaded another one that was just like huge and i feel like the impact of hollow Knight on metroidvanias is just like everybody's chasing that that high to be the next hollow Knight Mm -hmm. where i think you can make smaller Metroidvania's, And, you know, you, you can have your own identity, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think this game does have its own identity when it comes to just size and length, because I think it's just a scaled down version yeah. of, of Hollow Knight. But one thing it doesn't have that I wish it did have more of is just this lore that makes this world stand out. I feel like the world is still pretty large and diverse, but... You know, there are kind of uninspired names for things. Like there's an area called the Forgotten Ruins. Like how many times have I seen an area called that? I played a game
1: called that, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And the world itself is called Arcadia. I feel like I've seen that name Mega Man Zero
1: has an area called Neo-Arcadia, which was built by Reploids to harbor
0: humans. So I just feel like it's these names for things that don't really stand out. And also the story that's given is kind of just repeating the same story beats to me a lot. And it's a very similar story to what we've seen before. And then repairing haiku with the wrench can be slow. There are times when I get out of a fight, I'm down to one health left, and I just want to heal back like five orbs of health. And you just have to sit there for a while. It takes a while to repair it back. And I get why they do it. They don't want you to be able to repair that easily in a fight. But I wish if there weren't any enemies around me, maybe that could be faster so that I'm not oh. sitting there repairing myself for a long time because it's like he takes out his wrench and it's like wrench, 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 heel, wrench, 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 heel. And it just takes a while. Oh, um, another thing that's kind of an unnecessary hindrance is the overheating mechanic that could be taken out and it would largely give us just a smoother experience. I don't really see the need to give us the overheating as a punishment for rolling too much.
1: So here's a question, early question. Um, I know that there's water in the game because I can see it in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Can you jump in that water to maybe speed up the cooldown process? Is that something that you tried or does water like kill you?
0: Well, you know how like in Metroidvanias, every area has like a visual identity. There's one area that's like all water and Mm -hmm. you actually can't swim in it until you get an ability. You die if you go in the water at first. So, you know, I don't remember precisely if jumping in that water in that specific area cools you down. I bet it does. You can also get upgrades that decrease the amount of heat that's generated when you do maneuvers. And those are permanent. You can also get chips that help out with that. So you can customize your loadout to make that better for sure but there are some areas where you can't even do maneuvers because you're in like a hot lava place and haiku can't do dashes, you know? So the game pays attention to where you are environmental wise and will adapt your heat gauge to that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but a
1: little, little bit of synergy with our featured game even to a point.
0: Yes, exactly. Like when you get to the top of the mountain in a short hike. So, uh, it's, it's cool that they put that thoughtfulness into it, but the times when i just needed to get over an obstacle using those maneuvers and i my heat gauge was overheating and i just had to sit there it really killed the flow for me uh but overall you know haiku the robot uh, is not adding many ideas to the world of metroidvanias its world doesn't have a lot of lore to draw me in but it scratches the metroidvania itch in a very approachable way it has a lot of visual imagination when it comes to the machinery i love how this game looks There are discoveries and hidden pathways abound. It is, for me, Diet Hollow Knight. And of all games of which to do a diet version, that is a very good one. And I'm going to rate this an 8.5 out of 10.
1: Oh, yeah. That's what I originally had down, and then I was like, uh, but... And it's
0: it's playable on PC, which is where I played it, Mac, and Nintendo Switch, so you can play it at your in-laws.
1: Yes, and shout out to Super Rare Games, which is who uh, did the physical version that I possess and will Ah, now play. Nice. Yeah, I already asked a couple questions. Uh, I guess the main one is, how how are the controls? How does it feel to be
0: haiku? It feels really good. There are times when you're using your sword a lot, and it just kind of feels button mashy, but as you get more maneuverabilities i think the game gets even more fun to like control and explore there are those early hours where just because you don't have the zipline dash it can take a while to get from point a to point b especially if you open up your map and you notice oh i'm in this way far corner and i need to go to the far other side of the map it might take a while to get there but um i think i think it's fun
1: okay cool yeah i'm seeing I'm seeing Haiku roll into a ball and then jump while he's the ball. Yes, it's so great to do that without having to like bomb jump mm-hmm. as samus or something. I hate bomb jumping.
0: There is a bomb jump in this game, oh, it's, but it's I not hope it's used better. <laughs> it's not used excessively. it's okay. It's only used like in a handful of like little tunnels that I found. and you can use your chips to give your ball form interesting powers, like where your your ball will hurt people you run into. It's really fun. Cool. So the and I, I was having a tough time picking which chips to equip. Kind of like in Hollow Knight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at this and it looks like you only get to equip like three at a time. Maybe you get the opportunity to add more later, but
0: Yeah, you have like three chip slots. And there's like different categories. There's like blue, red, and green chips that you can slot into. Oh man! But you can find more blue chip slots and more red chip slots. They're like hidden in the world. Okay. So the world rewards you for exploring and and finding nooks and crannies.
1: Yeah, I remember having this this similar struggle. Not as much in Hollow Knight because I really found like the the you know charm layout that I loved, but yeah. in like um. Uncited. i was having trouble like deciding which chips i wanted that
0: that was going on a little bit for me in haiku the robots and i'll also say like i still think this is worth playing for people who love hollow knight i think it's worth playing for people who haven't played hollow knight and maybe want to just try a metroidvania on the shorter side i think this is like a on average like seven to eight hours so i think that's a good length cool
1: yeah, I'm really I'm even more excited to play it than I already was and it's another game that I wish would get ported to PlayStation because I want them sweet sweet trophies. I know,
0: yeah, and um I think the trophies would be really fun to chase on this. Yeah. I think there is one achievement on Steam that intimidated me and it was for completing the game without using your wrench. That is oh. complete the game without healing manually. Ugh. Which I used my wrench a ton in this yeah. game to heal myself. <laughs> I would I would find little pauses within boss battles to heal myself. Like when the boss is charging up an attack, I could sneak in a heal. Yeah. And that's how I sometimes was able to beat a boss easily. So not having that would be rough. Yeah. In games like this, I always take hits like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And also I want to point out, I just saw this announcement from Mr. Morris games. There's this game called Rusty's retirement. That's coming in 2024. I think it's early in the year that it's coming. And this is, based on the character Rusty that you run into as an NPC in Haiku the Robot. But this is a completely different game. It, uh, the, the game synopsis on the Steam storefront reads, quote, plant crops, produce biofuel, and automate a relaxing idle farming simulator that sits at the bottom of your screen while you do other things. So it's one of these idle games that just takes up like, the bottom third of your screen or so oh and um this has been like a popular thing with idlers i don't know if you've seen them but i
1: haven't but i've i've kind of wanted one
0: they're taking this character that you run into in this metroidvania and they're like the star of their own little game fascinating i love that wow so those are our secret games Aleckhead and haiku the robot let's move on to our review of a short hike it is our featured game Short Hike is an adventure game first released in 2019. It was developed and published by Adam Robinson Yu, who goes by Adam Griu, I think is how we say that. Uh, But it's one person mostly. And the game synopsis from the Steam storefront reads: "Quote: Hike, climb, and soar through the peaceful mountainside landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park as you make your way to the summit." End quote. This is a 3D adventure game with voxel-style graphics. Although the amount of pixelation can be tuned, you can go into those settings and you can change them. Is that something you did? I did, actually. Yeah. And do you remember what you picked?
1: I just, I stuck with the default anyway, but oh, okay. I, it is yeah. one of the few examples of a time where I went in and actually <laughs> messed with stuff. Yeah. And I, know, I was I happy to see that that don't was there. That. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I was reminded of Smushy, Smushy Come, Come Home. Home.
1: I was immediately reminded of that Yes.
0: Too. I played most of the game on the most pixelated setting, but then I went to like the medium one about halfway through the game. The game takes place on Hawk Peak Island, which is home to lots of animal NPCs. You're playing as this bird named Claire, who's on a vacation with her Aunt May, who is a ranger, and Claire can jump, glide, and flap her wings, and scale mountainsides, and she wants to get to the top of Hawk Peak so she can receive an important phone call. And we don't know what that phone call is about at the start of the game. We just know we need that cell phone reception. And uh, so the goal of the game is to just climb this mountain at your own pace and talk to the inhabitants on the way who have lots of fetch quests and mini games for you. Among these is a boating challenge, foot races, fishing, and beach stick ball where you and a friend hit a beach ball back and forth with sticks. Um, There are also treasure maps you can find that hint at places where you can dig up uh, coins. And these coins that you find are used to purchase hats and golden feathers. Golden feathers are what let you sprint and climb for longer periods. There are 20 of them in the game. And getting to the top of the mountain requires at least some of them, but they're acquired in so many different ways. Um, Sometimes they're found by just exploring. Sometimes you need to talk to an NPC and do a task for them. Um, Sometimes you buy them. And a short hike is cozy, bright, colorful. And the spirit of the game revolves around exploring. There's this sort of like rotational world where when you move laterally, it rotates the world, but there is a compass. And you can always have it displayed alongside the compass. There are other tools like uh, your shovel and a bucket for water and a pickaxe and other collectible items as well. So Disco Cola, you played this on stream. You played it all in one sitting. Yeah. So it it really was a short hike for you. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm just, we'll get into it. What are your thoughts on a short hike? I don't think there's anything else to set up. My,
1: my overall thoughts on a short hike is that the name says it all. Well, not it all, but it really was a short hike. And I, uh, I attempted to synergize on this aspect for the episode. I knew that a like head would be pretty short. Uh, and I think it worked out way better than expected. Um, when we first picked this game, I, I still hadn't, like, looked into the game too much. I wasn't totally sure what to expect. I knew it was a legend, and I knew that you were a bird. But in my head, this game was a lot like Firewatch, but you're a bird. Oh, interesting. And it's, and that's, it's, it's and not, not that.
0: And it's not first person. It's like, you know, the isometric almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But
1: it is not that. Additionally, I have now played the game twice. Um, oh. Yes, I played it that first time, and I... Unfortunately, found my experience to be mostly forgettable. But as our recording date approached, and I was looking for more positives to mention, because I found my first playthrough a little bit forgettable, I played it a second time. Really, and this will be important. And overall, I'm super glad that I did. Oh
0: my gosh, have you ever done that before?
1: Uh to a point. I've yeah. never like finished a game a second time. For I guess the recording.
0: like. Death's Door. You did that umbrella playthrough, yeah. Right, I so did. you kind of technically I played that, bit, but right. it's it's rare that we do that,
1: right? And that was more for like completion's sake rather than like,
0: yeah, that, that like I need to just come up with more points for my notes, or yeah. you know, I I found the first time forgettable. Like you didn't forget that first playthrough of Death's Door, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So I'm really glad that I did that, um, and and that will play a role in in how I go on, um, but yeah. I love that this game has one main directive, and you never lose sight of it. It's get to the peak. But when you start the game, you can't. Well, maybe you can The world record runtime is like two minutes, but I can't. Oh, Um, sure. All the same, there are tons of little tasks you can accomplish near the base of the island, and this is a way to reward you for exploration of the island beyond the ultimate task of the game. The first time I played this game, I did try to go off the beaten path immediately, And sort of ended up falling into the path of beating the game as fast as possible. (laughs) The second time, however, I took my time and I talked to everyone that I could. And I was rewarded with a delightful secondary characters asking for fun tasks with significant rewards. If you take the time to live here, the game rewards you for exploring. And
0: I love that. Yeah. And the game really does throw most of the NPCs at you. At the bottom of the mountain, and then you get exponentially less. I feel as yeah. you're, you're climbing up. So, if you want to experience all that stuff, it's it's all pretty accessible early in the game. Exactly, and it, that also fits the theme of like a mountain. You would imagine wouldn't have as many people living close to the top <laughs> yeah, too. So there's just... not
1: there's not too many hermits on this <laughs> island. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So like it it feels fitting for how they constructed the world versus how populated it is at different places. Um.
1: I love the way that each character interacts with Claire. Many of them are pretty clearly written by the same person. This island is full (laughs) of sarcasm, but even within that umbrella, many of the characters stand out as being particularly unique. Um, Two minor characters in particular stood out to me, the first being a frog that builds sandcastles. Um, Mm -hmm. After you complete his task, he invents a story about coming third in the elections of his invented sandcastle society. That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah.
1: And then there's one of the runners in the marathon and you can inquire about joining the marathon, but they will tell you that registration's closed more than a month ago and they exclaim, <laughs> "Why does no one read the rules?" And that character is just So good. That's my spirit sprite right there. There's just oh. just this week someone reached out to me via cell phone even though I had sent an email more than a week before saying I can't be reached via cell phone. Yeah,
0: it was me. Read no, the emails. <laughs> like, read the
1: emails, guys. No, I just, I felt that right away. It was it was great. I think that this game feels great to control at almost all times. Your walking speed is satisfying. Your running speed is a really solid sprint. Gliding as Claire has you descending at just the right rate. Mm-hmm. Using your golden feathers to ascend is super satisfying. A double jump is one of the best things in a platformer. But what might be better than a double jump is a dodeca jump. Like, yeah. just keep going. And it just feels great to be clear at nearly all times. Um, I think the music is good at its worst and great at all other times. It even has, like, this dynamic element, like a Yoshi element, where if you're gliding or doing certain other actions, the instrumentation will change accordingly. Um the sound design is really satisfying too. There are sounds for filling your water bucket, putting items away in an inventory, and like sliding down cliff faces, just to name a few. And they're all telegraph or audiograph, whatever is happening. Uh, if you happen to miss it with your eyes, like you, yeah. you get what's going on because of those audio cues. Totally. I like that the camera is mostly fixed, depending on what part of the map you're exploring. You called it like a rotating island. Um, something I'm discovering very quickly at this specific moment in time is how much I actually dislike open world games, like to the degree I dislike them. Mm -hmm. A short hike is probably a little too small to be considered open world, despite the fact that you can explore nearly every surface of this map. But the restrictive camera turns this into an almost side-scrolling game. So if you're directionally challenged and or overwhelmed by open world games, you really rarely have to worry about getting too disoriented. This camera was designed with people like me in mind, and yeah, thank God.
0: That's fair. I think when I got further in the game, I did wish I could see more because I was aware of all the different areas. I just couldn't piece together how they connect in my mind, mm-hmm. so I wish I could have rotated. But I also understand like that's a very conscious decision, and it definitely helped me out early in the game too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I love that a short hike has different kinds of challenges common in platformers. If you want to race, you can do a race. If you want to collect some items, well, heck, someone wants 15 shells. Do you want to complete the Pokedex? Well... Gosh darn it, there's a proportional amount of fish species to catch. Yeah, Um, There are even mystery locations hidden behind riddles. You mentioned those treasure maps. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a little bit of everything, but none of it is too challenging. And, of course, there's the ending. In general, I kind of knew what the ending was going to be well before I got there. Um, Heck, before we even got to control Claire, I kind of had it figured out, except for some of the details um but it's the moments directly after that phone call mm-hmm. uh, i'll say where we get to descend i find a lot of satisfaction in that i think that was a rewarding experience to use one of the most satisfying controls in the game to also take note of how far we've come so hopefully this isn't too spoilery to say uh but this was definitely a visually appealing aspect of a short hike in any amount of pixelated crunchiness
0: yeah i i think you're doing a good job of not spoiling stuff because the ending is relatively simple compared to other games but i think it is still kind of a special moment that that people should uh wait to play themselves rather than hear other people talk about and i i don't think we'll explicitly mention what's going on exactly
1: yeah um there are things i don't super love about a short hike uh at times i do feel directionless like Yes, the summit is my ultimate goal, but arguably the goal before that, like the main goal before that, is to get to the visitor center where you can buy some golden feathers. And there are signposts that point you in that direction, but even with those, I still struggle to find it. Mm. In fact, on my first playthrough, I don't think I found the visitor center until after I'd reached the summit mm. or maybe like shortly before. Um, my second playthrough, I followed a more directly intended path and I did eventually find it much easier but even still struggled to find it on a return. Like I needed to return to the visitor center and I struggled yeah. to find it.
0: I got to the point where I knew something I wanted to find was like in this general area and I knew it was somewhat close to this landmark. And mm-hmm. sometimes that was all I could go off of. And so there, it is that sort of, I'm gonna go East a little bit. Oh no, that was too far. I need to go South now. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Right.
1: And and that's the th- maybe part of the problem for me is that yeah, there are landmarks, But I think there's a good like 50% of the circumference of the island that is mostly indistinguishable to me. Like there's the area with the power lines and it's raining. That's pretty distinguishable. There's like a cliffside that has no beach. That takes up about 5% of the circumference of the island. Mm -hmm. And then there's a section with like outer lying smaller islands. And those are good landmarks. But then there's another 50% that just sort of looks like woods. Homogenous. Yeah, yeah. Woods and a beach. Yes. And so and that's unfortunately where the visitor center is, is somewhere yeah, in there. Sure. So I get I get lost. For me, the signposts don't necessarily help, but going the the quote unquote obvious direction helped a little. Hmm. Um I mentioned that Claire feels great to control at nearly all times. Um there are times where she doesn't feel great to control, and it's mostly while climbing somewhat out of view of the camera. This was especially noticeable when I was climbing those power lines. I just couldn't climb quite as high as I would have liked to, as I might have been able to if the camera was directly behind her, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Another thing I don't love is something that I rarely love in any game, and that is fishing. I just don't really (laughs) care to do this. It seems like the reward is mostly just money, which... I'm rarely in great need for. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: but there is also a trophy, which you are in great need for. <laughs> well, yes. And I'm,
1: I'm sure that there's like a gold feather or something too, for doing some fishing. Yes. Um, But like this more than anything else in the game requires patience. And like Claire said, this is not my strong suit.
0: Yeah. And different, different pools of water or areas of the Island have different fish. So you have to go, it's kind of like animal crossing. Yeah. Like you can only catch this fish on a cliffside river. Oh, okay. You can only catch this fish in a river, but when the water isn't like gushing really fast. Right. It's, oh,
1: okay. And then something that would have helped in at least two instances would be this really small thing. I wish that each side character's name appeared above their speech bubbles when mm-hmm. I talked to them. Yeah. Um, this would help me remember which characters are named what. Sometimes I like that people's names are nebulous and that if there is no reason for me to know someone's name, Then I don't. Um, But I was asked to deliver something to Claire's aunt, the very first NPC we see in the game, and I couldn't even remember what her name was. Yeah, It's a small thing, but it would have saved me some time more than once.
0: I I do like having those names just to reference things later, like being able to say, like, oh, I loved... May's dialogue you know right. because she was really funny you yeah know? exactly and there were times where I just didn't know who I was talking to and I'm not sure every character has a name right yeah.
1: and that's fine you don't need to you can talk to strangers without getting their name yeah. that's fine if you're an adult but um yeah it just it would be nice if we're supposed to know someone's name to know their name and if we're not supposed to know their name just question marks is fine I agree a short hike is as the name implies a pretty short hike And because of that, I do have fears that some players might have a similar experience to me where they played in a particular way, going down a particular path, only interacting with particular characters that ultimately results in a forgettable experience, which would be a shame because on my second hike, I found much more delight and camaraderie in my fellow island inhabitants, so much so that I'm ashamed I almost wrote them off. Like, this game feels great to control. And in a game where a majority of the characters are birds, most of them feel grounded. I had a delightful time overall, and it's a game I am actually looking forward to completing 100%. Apart from some of the camera work going on, though, I don't know that I experienced anything super groundbreaking. Maybe apart from how easy it is to breeze through the game by taking an extra 10 to 15 minutes at the beginning. That really pays off for me. And... Uh, Yeah, a short hike is somewhere between an 8.0 and an 8.5, so I'm just going to round up to an 8.5.
0: Awesome. 8.5 for Disco Cola. I'll share my overall thoughts. I thought a short hike was a very pleasant experience. I really enjoyed this game. I loved streaming it. I loved exploring after I streamed it to clean it up and get the Platinum Trophy I love doing all the miscellaneous tasks. This was a great joy for me. I love the feeling of climbing and gliding and running in this game. Collecting upwards of 15 or 20 golden feathers gives you that really significant mobile ability to just do anything you want in this game. And that feels powerful. You also have the ability to gain momentum very quickly by just flapping your wings a few times to get to ascend. And then you can dive and... Those are some slightly advanced movement options. I guess you don't have to do them. But in a pinch, when I needed to just like get halfway across the map, I was climbing a little bit and then diving. And just you can really pick up speed. Oh, yeah. And that feels good. The world is gorgeous. There is so much to see and do despite the game being short. I found that there were tons of um, miscellaneous activities that were breaking up my climb. I'd start to climb. And then I'd see somebody and I'd go talk to them. <laughs> and I'm so I'm getting distracted in the best way in this game. Um, a lot of these notes, by the way, they're going to be repeating what you said uh, about praising the game. I love the music by Mark Sparling. It is adventurous. It's joyful. The music is blending seamlessly from area to area. Even if I fall long distances, if I like fall off the top of the mountain, wherever I fall, the the soundscape blends together really well, and we just transition into that new song, and all the songs seem to fit where I'm at. Um this music is kind of reminding me of what we hear in Animal Crossing New Horizons, you know? It's just easy listening. I think it's good music for listening to on the radio, you know, it plays well on the radio. I also note the sound effects. Here are my examples of sound effects I wrote down. Like there's the splash of water when I fish. There's the bloop sound of when you jump. There's just something so adorable <laughs> about that. Um when you <laughs> When you drive the boat and you crash into things, which I was doing a lot, there's just this, this thud, this like, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it just makes me laugh every time. And then the final moment that we get to in this game, it is this small, tender idea that really worked for me. This game does not swing for the fences with its story, nor does it need to. It's one of those examples of like a really small idea of two people talking And how poignant that can be, how beautiful and comforting that can be, and the music happening in conjunction with it is making me tear up and is giving me goosebumps. And then that moment you talked about where we descend is just such a great conclusion. It's a moment I will remember for a long time. It's probably going to be one of my favorite moments from this season of Underplayed. So I think this game ends super strongly. I only had some quibbles for dislikes. Selecting items in the inventory can require you to sort through a really long horizontal line of icons when you get enough things in this game. And so it wasn't always intuitive, Um, just needing to pause the game and then scroll in that line sometimes just took too long for me. And then driving the boat felt a little janky. It felt like the controls were non-inverted at first, and I was really good at the boat. And then I don't know what happened, but it feels like the controls inverted at some point because I started, you know, moving my stick to the left and my boat would steer right. And I don't know why that would happen. So I had a tough time with the boat in this game.
1: Yeah. I don't remember doing it on my first playthrough, but I think that I did. And I just totally missed it on my second playthrough. So if I've even done the boat, it's been a long time.
0: There's a challenge with the boat where you have to do an obstacle course. In like 45 seconds. Yeah, you, yeah. It
1: sounds familiar. Like I, th- I think you I think did you that. Did? Oh, it's I super memorable it. for me
0: because I spent a lot of time in the boat. There's a, there's a section where you pick up someone's kid and they want you to do this challenge. I think you would remember it if, if you did it.
1: I don't know. I, I kind of remember it, but I,
0: and this, this uh, challenge requires you to like navigate this really tight course. It's not like super tight, but you only have 45 seconds and there's a penalty of 10 seconds added on to your time whenever you hit an obstacle. Mm. And because the controls were giving me so, so many problems, um, I was getting a ton of time added on. Did I spend a ton of time on it? No. Did I eventually successfully do it? Yes. Um, did I have to slow down and be more careful to do it? Yes. <laughs> but those controls weren't helping me at, at some parts. I, it, I, I thought I was doing the right control. I was doing the opposite of what I wanted.
1: It's just a totally different animal from Claire.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah, and then I, I would just take more of this game. This game is another one that's too short. I think we don't give that critique that often, but I would play another one, I'd play an expansion, whatever. I just I wanted more out of this world and out of these characters, and that's kind of a backdoor compliment, too. Overall, a short hike is a game about satisfying exploration. It is a pleasant game. I can recommend to anyone. I'll be thinking about its beautiful little ending for a long time. I rate it a 9 out of 10. That's what I put down. Wonderful. So we're both very positive on it. I'm glad you got to play it again and get a slightly different experience out of it. I feel like what I did the first time I played, the first and only time I played, is what you did the second time, which is I did take my time. I talked to everybody. I did everything as I went.
1: Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to. I just, man, when I got to a certain point, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can climb up this part of the snowy path. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I can climb up this part of the snowy path. And before I knew it, I was at the peak and I accidentally beat the game.
0: Yeah. Um, When we get to close to the peak, we get introduced to this idea of like our feathers being frozen and we can't really recover them unless we go into a hot uh, pool of water. And so um, I thought that was like a nice surprise. And it was kind of telling me, "Oh, I need a certain minimum of golden feathers to actually climb this mountain." I'm sure the speedrunner who can do it in two minutes and some seconds—they're using some exploit. You know, they—I they, think
1: they have two feathers. I looked have it have two up feathers, last night.
0: Yeah, but they're—they're they're doing it in a in a very unintended way. Yeah, but I feel like you need six or seven or eight feathers to actually get to the top. I and,
1: think minimum. I, I mm, think I had 10 when I yeah. accidentally beat the game.
0: Yeah, 10 or 12 is a good number. I was trying to just collect as many as I could. But if something really stumped me, I kept going. Um, do you know about like how long you spent in this game Like when you streamed it? I beat it around three hours on uh, stream.
1: The first time I played it, I think my stream time was at an hour and 50-something minutes. Uh, so very, very quickly. Because that's not even counting, just like getting ready to start streaming, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very, very quickly. And then the second time, I don't have a good idea of how long it took me, but it was, it was longer. Mm-hmm. I think I spent two to two and a half hours.
0: Uh, I hear a lot of people talk about a short hike, especially indie game enthusiasts. This is a game I've heard about for years and it was on my list of shame, I feel like, for a long time, just because... So many people talked about how this was an amazing game, and I agree with so many of them. But um, why do you think this game is talked about so much? And like, what what do you think the impression is of this game, or what's its legacy, compared to other cozy games where you're doing this kind of shorter adventure?
1: That's a good question. I think the ending probably has a lot to do with it. I think the ending is, in the literal meaning of the word, awesome um, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um. But also just like each character is delightful to talk to. Even the characters that are more rude or um, off-putting, they're still a joy to talk to. Um, and it's just it's just a cute game. Yeah. I think it looks good.
0: It's perfectly pleasant. It's, it's beautiful. The end of this game <laughs> kind of accidentally does the end of Toem better than the end of Toem.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that I? I thought accurate? exactly of Toam when I got there. And then when you said you wanted more, I, I yeah. held back the words. I was like, oh, just like the the extra island in Toam. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it's very Toam-like.
0: Yeah, there's like basically a spectacle that you get to see. Um, and I was reminded of that just like in the moment. But then the call happens, like the, the final story moment happens. And um, I thought that was just amazing
1: you had mentioned speaking of the ending you had mentioned the music during that in conjunction with what's going on and the waiting what I noticed on my second playthrough was actually uh the sound effects too like you you get some ambient like nature sound effects going on too which are there throughout the rest of the game but there's like no there it's it's a more solemn place to be. And so it stands out more.
0: You do feel so alone up there in us in a nice solitary, like solemn way. Yeah, Yeah. I agree.
1: And just, you get these like bird tweets and these just nature sounds. It's a very, it's nice. It's calm. Powerful there.
0: Yes. Uh, You mentioned some of the humor and quirkiness. I was reminded of like donut County Mm -hmm. with the style of humor. I just wanted to mention some, some moments that made us laugh or just that we thought were clever uh, or just like that caught us by surprise. You know, there are there's dialogue that can be really adorable, but sometimes awkward too, where like there are lots of verbal pauses people take and a lot of moments where characters will say, oh yeah, so this is what's happening. Oh, wait, that's not true. It's this thing. <laughs> they, like, there's no point for that, but they are that way. It's So it shows that these people are kind of like imperfect. Yeah. And there's something that feels so real about that. Yeah. Did you kind of notice that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, notice that a bunch. And uh, I mentioned a couple of them. There's <laughs> you, run, you run into this rabbit that lost her uh, red headband yeah. and she wants you to go find it. Yeah. And so you're, you're looking for it in this like... Uh, essentially a bike path, a running path. And you run into a turtle who is wearing a red headband and and you talk to him and you're like, <laughs> right. Hey, where'd you get that headband? Did you happen to find it? Yeah. He's like, no, I've had this for years. I don't remember. I've had this for years. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Uh, and he's like, Oh, okay. Well, this rabbit I talked to was looking for one and he gives it to you. And then you go back to the rabbit and, he, and she's like, that's not my headband. The sweat stains are in all the wrong yeah, they're spots. They're all on the wrong spots. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> uh, and then you tell her, you I'm spoiling this whole interaction. I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. But you like, (laughs) you tell the rabbit where you got it from, and they're like, you got it from, you got it from the turtle. Oh, this has got to be like even more lucky than my lucky headband. And so they take it, this sweaty, years old headband that doesn't belong to them. They're like, and
0: it's even funnier because it's a turtle and a rabbit, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And it's happening like in the inverse, inverse, where the turtle's the better racer. The turtle's the better racer. And uh, yeah, the turtle's just doing those laps around that like boulder or whatever. It's just, like, that's all they do all day. Um, there's another person who's in this loop. Uh, it's a pretty big loop that they walk and they tell you about rumors or something and you can keep talking to them and they'll keep giving you a different rumor, I Okay. Think. And they're like, you want to hear a rumor? Yeah, sure. And they give you a little hint about something. Want to hear a rumor? Yeah, sure. They give you another little hint. And then you talk to them like, the fourth or fifth time and they're like, you want to, you want to rumor? <laughs> and, and you're like, yes. And they go, okay. Oh wait, I'm all out of rumors. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Just the is there. Um, at the beach stick ball area, you talk to the person who's keeping score <laughs> and I love, this. I love your chair. Where'd you get it? <laughs> you're, they're sitting in like one of those big, like tall, uh, almost lifeguard like lifeguard chairs. chairs. Yeah. I like your chair. Where'd you get it? And these are just like children. You get that impression (laughs) that they're really young. I like your chair. Where'd you get it? And they're like, we stole it. (laughs) It (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) Um, And then another moment that made me chuckle a lot was when Claire gets to the lighthouse, she can look down at her aunt may. Yeah. That was one I was going to mention too. Yeah. And she can call out to aunt may and she's like, Hey, Aunt May! (laughs) And Aunt May's like, yes, Claire. And it's like, Claire's text is in all capitals. She's shouting. And then Aunt May is just so composed. Like, yes. Yeah, we're having curry for dinner tonight. (laughs) Yes. It's good to see you too, May. And and May's just, or uh, Claire's just screaming. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to say about a short hike?
1: Nah. um, Don't give up on it like I almost did. That's it. Yeah. It's it's a, it, it really is a good time.
0: It is a great time. I'm so glad we played it. And that is our review of a short hike. You can play it on PC, Mac, Linux, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Disco Cola rated it an 8.5. I rated it a 9. That's the end of this episode of Underplayed. You can find more of our episodes at slash underplayed and on common podcast platforms such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Our music was composed by Jack Rodenberg. Our art comes from Onimochi. Underplayed is on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads at UnderplayedPod. You can find me in those places at Bopo. That's B-O underscore P-O. I'm also on the GG app where you can see my game lists, like a list of games we have reviewed on Underplayed.
1: And I am also on the GG app where I added both of today's games to my top 100 lists. Nice. And you can check out how that all pans out there. I'm also on all of the socials as Disco Cola, or I think in one place, Disco Cola 304, <laughs> and uh, look for Underplayed on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Podcast, where we occasionally play co-op games and premiere episodes
0: of the podcast. And so both games today ended up on that top 100 list. Yeah, they so both did. I couldn't have been wrong yeah, after all. Abso- yeah, uh, Correct. That was the that was the phone call answer I was looking for at the top <laughs> of my peak. Next time we'll have two more secret games to review and our featured game will be Soma, a survival horror game developed by Frictional Games. Until then everyone, keep on playing. <laughs>